Welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm Lori LeBay, the host and founder of Alzheimer's Speaks. We're thrilled to have you with us today, but before we get into our show, I always like to uh, just do a little announcement about who Alzheimer's Speaks is and what we're about because we're always getting new listeners. Uh, so I promise I won't take up much of your time here. But bottom line, Alzheimer's Speaks is an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort around the world. I began this company because I've been on this journey with my own mom for 30 years. And it was really important for me as an individual to help raise everyone's voice. And so um, here at Alzheimer's Speaks, we just believe in joining forces and sharing knowledge and having these everyday conversations about life with dementia so that we can remove isolation and give people hope when it comes to living in the trenches with this disease um, so that people can continue to be engaged and purposeful and, um, and connect it, you know, have a sense of community. Um, at our core, we believe that collaboration is really the only way we are going to win this battle against dementia. And I know it's working thanks to each and every one of you. You see, your clicks, your likes, your shares of our information um, got us named as the number one influencer online for Alzheimer's disease, according to ShareCare and Dr. Oz. So those few seconds that you take are powerful and they matter. And so I would encourage you to share, continue to share our information, not just here on Alzheimer's Speaks Radio and our Dementia Chats and our blog, but, you know, the information that touches you regarding this disease that anybody puts out. Because we all have large spheres of influence, many of which, you know, we don't know who is dealing with this disease because there's still a lot of people in the closet that don't feel comfortable talking about it or might not even know exactly what they're dealing with. But the more information they see readily available, the more normal and okay it's going to be for them to reach out. So please continue to uh, share, show your support and share knowledge. Um, it just takes seconds, but it's so powerful uh, to so many. I'd also like to invite you, if you're listening, to maybe be a guest on the show. You see, we're about raising everyone's voice, and that means people with dementia. That means families caring for them and friends. That means advocates, business professionals, movie directors, songwriters, authors, researchers. All of us as a community need to join together and, um, and just talk and have an honest conversation about this disease and how we can make an impact. And there's no better time to do that than in the month of September. You see, September is World Alzheimer's Month. And mark your calendars for September 21st because that's actually World Alzheimer's Day. Um, most people don't know that every three seconds there's someone in the world that is in the process of developing dementia. That is a huge, huge number. And yet we also know 
that it is underdiagnosed. Um, I also want to give a shout out to um, the Alzheimer's Association Indiana. I'm going to be down in Fort Wayne October 19th and in Maryville uh, October 20th uh, doing a conference for them. And so I would love to meet you. So you can go to my website or go to theirs um, on the front of alzheimerspeaks.com. You can just click to get more information and register. I've had a few people contact me already that they're planning on coming. So, um, you know, I love to I love to meet my community and um, it would be wonderful to hear your story. So with no further ado, I want to um, introduce my co-host today. We're changing up the format here, um, as you know, um, or, may, or maybe don't know <laughs> if you're new to the show. I'm really all about raising the voice of dementia, and I just thought, gosh, I, you know, I need to um, have a co-host. And um, we are now going to try to have a co-host um, for most every show, and we're probably going to be rotating um, in terms of who that's going to be. But my co-host will have dementia. Um, I just am adamant that this voice needs to be heard. They have so much to add to the conversation, no matter what it is. And so today, we are so lucky to have with us a woman who is a great advocate. Um, She also is on our Dementia Chats webinar, where her voice is just so powerful. Uh, Lori Shearer is, um, is with us today, and she is our inaugural launch, you know, in terms of uh, having a person with dementia be the co-host. So welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Well, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I'm just really looking forward to this, uh, this new shift that we're making. Now today we're going to be talking with Gina Martin and Gina is the daughter of Alzheimer's. Um, Her mom, Diane, was diagnosed in 2006 at the age of 65 and she died only five short years later. Her father, Bob, was her husband of 49 and a half years and a loyal caregiver who then died three months later. I can't even imagine the impact that that had on Gina's life. Um, Gina has worked at National Geographic for over 16 years, and she's very active in the photo community. So in 2016, she founded the Bob and Diane Fund to give $5,000 grant to support visual storytelling about Alzheimer's and dementia. And so I'm really excited to have this conversation with her today. How are you doing today, Gina? I'm good. Thank you. And thank you for inviting me to do this show. This is very exciting. Yeah, it is. It's, um, uh, you know, your your work, when I heard about it, I, I reached out to you and I'm like, I got to get this lady on the show. You know, people need to know about this stuff. And I just think it's so fabulous how people are affected and then they just jump in the ring and say, I'm going to help. I don't know how, but I'm going to do something different. And yeah. you know, they take their passion and um, and mix and mingle it with dementia and come up with just great ideas. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, a friend of mine and I kind of came up with this around February of this year and just went with it pretty quickly, and we launched. I launched it in June, um, and it's been amazing so far. I've received incredible support and excitement about it. Um, like you said, it's been five years since my mom passed, and I'm kind of wondering why I didn't start this earlier, but I think timing is, you know, there's a reason for everything, so... Um, but it's very exciting. 
I've never seen a photography grant focused on this type of issue before. This is a really a neat, neat concept. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, um, but before we get into that, I, I want, I would like to see if you're willing to share with us just the story of your mom a little bit and sure. how it affected you and the impact on your dad, you know, dying such a short time afterwards, which is <laughs> not an uncommon thing. I know. So my mom was diagnosed in 2006. You said she was 65. There were some signs before, um, but not real obvious. Um, I have a brother and a twin sister, and she would get confused on what she told us, so or get the two of us confused. So that was, you know, such a normal thing that it didn't really dawn on us right away until kind of all got our, we kind of all spoke and kind of shared our experience to realize that there was something going on. Um, And my parents, I will give them credit, were always very good about their health, meaning to get checkups and see a doctor if something was wrong. They were not stubborn that way. Mm -hmm. So um, my father took her in and I remember him saying that there was shrinkage of the brain. And that was a sign of Alzheimer's. Um, And my father's mother had had it years ago when I was in college. But she'd only lived with it really for about a year and a half um, before she died, probably longer than we realized, but that what we were exposed to. So we knew what it was, but we really didn't understand the impact it was going to have on our family, I don't think. I don't think anybody can understand that until yeah. they're until they're in it. I mean, because you just you just can't imagine in your wildest dreams, and and every family it it affects a little bit different. So there's not a, you know, there's not a one on one book. Um, yeah, you know, how this yeah. disease progresses and how people are affected by it. I I can't totally remember how it was in the beginning of her diagnosis. I mean, forgetfulness, obviously, and I think so many people only think of Alzheimer's or dementia as forgetting to turn off the coffee or putting your purse in the refrigerator, but it's so much more. And, um, we really started seeing that in the last, like the, her last two years of just the complete personality shift and, um, trying to navigate how you communicate with her and keep her calm and, um, and take care of the caregiver, as you know, as you know, it's has a huge, huge impact on the person who's with that person every day. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting that, you know, your folks were married 49 and a half years, mine were too, and uh, my dad ended up going first, which we never, ever imagined. Um, and um, And we were worried of losing mom if if she moved into the nursing home with him. Mm-hmm. And so we had, she moved into the nursing home, but on a different floor so that she could get acclimated. And then I brought her up and she ended up living there for 14 more years. Wow. Um, but I think it was because she was totally engaged versus if she would have been in the same room with my dad, I think she would have just melted away yeah. within days. You know, I, I can't imagine that kind of loss. My my marriage only lasted 21 years. So. <laughs> yeah, and I was, I, you know, I was very lucky. My parents were, you know, high school sweethearts and had a strong marriage for 49 and a half years. Um, so I was definitely grew up with true love and, you know, they held hands till the very end. And 
my dad was very devoted to taking care of her. and he, um, he did a great job. I mean, there was definitely days of frustration, which you cannot blame, but he was definitely dedicated to taking care of her. Mm-hmm. Um, towards the end, we were very close to putting her in a home, which um, was going to be the most difficult thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and fortunately, we did not have to do that. Yeah, that, which we can get to. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a tough a tough piece. No matter how my mom, wa- I actually asked to move in because my dad was there, and she didn't want to be. You know, she's like, we've been together forty nine and a half years, and um, I don't want to leave him now. I mean, that yeah. was her her justification. And uh, I remember as a family struggling, going, "How did we miss that piece?" Well, it was because we never ever in a blue moon imagine my dad going first. So right, you know, it makes a big difference. Um, it- Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, we worried about it a little bit because my dad did not have a real healthy heart. Um, He had had rheumatic fever when he was young, so um, his heart was never 100%. So we definitely worried that the caregiving was going to be too hard on him in his heart that he, you know, could possibly have a heart attack while my mom was still alive. And that was a big concern for us and keeping him healthy and making sure that he wasn't overextending himself. Oh gosh, that, that had to be really scary as a daughter. I just, I, I can't even imagine that in the mix of everything. Cause you know, my dad was, was very healthy until he, he got diagnosed with cancer, but, um, and he lived four and a half years with that really fairly well. Um, you know, so we, we didn't have to deal with, that worry. Um, yeah. And my dad was healthy. He was very active for someone who didn't have a hundred, uh, you know, 100% use of his heart, mm-hmm. but he was extremely active. But you know, the stress that that puts on is a whole different type of stress. Um, and he ended up um, dying of a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it was three months after my mother died. Mm-hmm. Gosh, well, I, I'm just sorry for your loss, and I'm sure it's. Um, I, I'm. Sh- I would imagine this this grant that you've come forth is just kind of um, almost a give back to the gifts that they gave you. Absolutely. Uh, during a um, lifetime, my parents were two of the most giving people I've ever known, and they were all about giving back. And um, this is my tribute to them. Um, you know, the 5,000 is my money that, um, I will put up every year and it's a thank you to them. That's really cool. That's, that's, um, it says a lot about your parents and the relationship you had, um, to want to do that. Um, very, very neat. Yeah. I feel very fortunate. I mean, it was a horrible loss to Mm -hmm. lose both of them. Um, I think I was 43 or 44, but I was so grateful that I had them for as long as I had because I really had great parents. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. I I made a pretty strong effort to celebrate them more than mourn them. Um, and I probably did that more after when they died, too. I mean, I definitely went through some mourning, but I think I probably celebrated them more. Mm-hmm. Well, that's wonderful. Um uh, Lori, uh, I'm just going to throw this out to you, and some people might think that this is a little crass, but um, I think it's real life in terms of you know living with dementia. Um, how do you how do you want your family to look back at your life if if you leave first? 
I, I first want to say, I think, Tina, what you mentioned about a strong couple and marital relationship is so important. Um, my husband and I were married in 1981, and I can't calculate, I can't do math anymore. I was vice president of the bank, but I can't do math anymore. <laughs> um, one of the things that keeps me going is the love and relationship that we have. Having a strong bond with your, and we still walk and hold hands. We had somebody in the grocery store stop us the other day and say, I am so glad to see that. Um, <laughs> that bond is so important that you have not just a care partner, but someone, someone that really loves you and really is there in, as a team. So, but what I want I think I want all my family to know more than anything that I love them. Mm -hmm. And regardless of what things I may do, and I know in particular with FTD, more than likely I will become nasty and angry. I've already noticed where I, I've become negative a lot, where I never was before. And I try to catch myself um, Saying, thinking negative about people as opposed to positive, and that's not me. I know that I probably will become that way no matter how much I fight it. It's probably going to go. I want my family to remember me as the one that loves them and took care of them and was on their side and there for them. Um, I don't want them to remember me for what I'm going to be. I want them to remember me for what I was, mm -hmm. for the person that I was when I was a career person and bailed them all out many times, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Um, I want them to remember the love and joy and laughter. I want them to remember all the times we laughed. Well, I'll I, tell I, you, I as, as a daughter of Alzheimer's, I, I really only remember the good things with my mother. I mean, there were, a, you know, some tough situations, but they don't really stand out for me. Um, my, my mom did not have a mean bone in her body. She just never was, you know, rude or nasty in any way. And that came out at the end, but we didn't experience it real long, maybe nine months. Um, so not that long. And, I don't I think I can speak for all my brother sister and I that that is not what stays with us. It really stays with us is the relationship she had with my dad and the amazing childhood we had and as we were young adults and growing up and all the lessons they taught us. Um I really only focus on the positive with with both of them. Um so you know we were very aware that the nastiness was the illness. Mm -hmm. Um 100% aware of it. So um, it's not something we ever thought was who she was. So if that's any consolation. Yeah, I would, I would yeah I'm, glad you, I'm glad to hear you say that because that's something I hear over and over again is how angry, how angry they're, the person they're caring for is and they can't handle the anger anymore. Um, and that worries me more than anything. So yeah. hearing you as a caregiver saying, I forget about that. Uh, kudos to you. That's great. I like to hear that. 
Yeah, I mean, I can only, I mean, I can think of only a few instances, and I don't, it's something I don't really think about because I had, I thought about, okay, what am I going to talk about about my mom? And I didn't know if I was going to focus on the illness part, and I had to think about things that happened because um, it's not something that stays with me. Um, and yeah, I, I think that for um, both my siblings and my mom did not get to the violent stage at all. We were fortunate for that. It was just a change in personality and some swear words that we had never heard out of her mouth. <laughs> but, you know, nothing too, nothing too extreme. I chuckle because my mom was the same way. Uh, same way. My mom used to literally, when we were younger, uh, walk around with a bar of soap in her purse just yeah. in case we slipped up, you know. And then to hear her talking like a sailor sometimes was you know, we see that almost in a in a humorous light now, and um, yeah. and you know, not making fun of her, but it was just one of those things that was so out of character. Which, you know, if we look at life as a whole, um, we're all out of character a lot, you know, and that's what we laugh at with our friends, and you know, it's a they're they're intimate moments of just you know that puts you know solid joy in your heart and your soul. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I look at my mom even in her very end stages and I remember, I, I still, and I don't think I will forget till the day I die of the lesson she was still able to teach me mm. and the power of the person, you know, not the disease, but just who she was at her core. That's who I remember. Um, and it really doesn't make any difference what age she was or where she was in, um, in life or in progression of the disease, she was still this powerful woman who could still get a message across. Right. Even if right. I had to look for it differently, you know, she taught me. And I hope that I hope that my family will look back and think the exact same way, Lori. Um, I try to do a lot of advocacy, and I, I'm I hope my family looks at it the same way. You've both been very insightful to me from the concept of what you remember. It's awesome to hear this. Oh, that's great. Good, good. Well, Gina, let's talk a little bit about, you know, the disease and mm-hmm. and how it affected your family and how you got to this point of deciding to mm-hmm. to do uh, do this grant. And, um, and, and I mean, when you do a grant and, you know, you have to get specific and stuff, and it seems like a natural since you were worked for a National uh, Geographic as a photographer yeah. Yeah. to go down this line. I mean, what a... I just have to imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it just must be soothing to your soul to know that you're you're a lot you're empowering others to tell their story. It is. Thank you for saying that. Well, to how it affected myself and my family was definitely different. Um, like I said, I have a brother who's two years older, and my twin sister and our father. Um, I live in Washington D.C. My entire family's in California. But I would say I was probably as involved, if not more involved, than my siblings um, because it's my nature. So I spoke to my parents every day on the phone, and I knew all their doctor's appointments and where they were at all times. And um, I had an an amazing boss who let me travel back once a month um, for almost two years um, to spend time with them, especially to relieve my dad. Um, so it affected us differently. I kind of just took control of things and wanted to just jump in and help my dad. And I probably 
was more emotional during my mother's illness than my siblings who were probably were more emotional when she died. I felt that when she died, I had gotten all the crying out. So I probably handled her death better, but I definitely handled the illness harder than they did. Or that's my perception. Mm -hmm. Um, As for, I mean, we all, it brought us closer, definitely. And the three of us were really focused on what would make my mom happy, but also how to help our dad. Um, He was heartbroken and he was very angry that she got this. Um, So we had to, you know, just constantly be there for him, listen to him. And he wanted to talk about every little specific thing she did. And that was his way of dealing with it. So we just had to listen and try to be there for him. But, you know, I tell friends who are going through this now, just listen to your parent, the caregiver. Mm -hmm. Don't try to always give suggestions and how things, you know, how they should do something, but they just want someone to hear them. And because they may not be able to communicate real well with their loved one. So, and my dad just wanted to talk about it all the time. So I definitely had a tough time, you know, with the illness because I knew what was going to come. And where we were fortunate was in the last year, in the, you know, last year of my mom's illness is that she actually got cancer um, in September of 2011. And the doctor gave her um, three months to live, but she died eight weeks later. So she actually died of cancer, um, even though she was pretty deep in Alzheimer's. So it was a blessing that she had got the cancer because that's when we were about to put her in a home. Mm-hmm. So we didn't, I mean, in a way, I feel somewhat fortunate, if that's a word, that she only had it for five years mm-hmm. um, and really difficult times for two of two, the last two years. So, um, yeah, and it was just, you know, constantly just keeping in touch with them. And I think in the last years when I had decided to start um, raising money, we did a walk in, in San Francisco, which is where my family's from, the area. So um, we did the first walk and started a team called Team Diane, and we've raised about $70,000 so far in her name. And that at first really gave me a purpose. I felt like I was, you know, doing something that I that I was able to control and, um, and make a difference. And I kind of thought that's all I'd be doing is just raising money till the day I died. Um, and then this fund came along and it has – since, though I still continue to raise money, the fund has now taken my, you know, kind of advocacy in a, a not a different direction, but just kind of expanding it. Mm-hmm. Well, how neat is that? I, I can't even imagine how proud your your um, parents must be. And, you know, it was nice to hear that the disease pulled your family closer. For mine, I think it pushed us apart a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it could do that. It definitely can do that. Um, it did pull us closer together. And then having them pass away three months apart really brought us closer. And just to kind of show my parents' love of each other, it was um, three months after my mom, and it was my dad's birthday. They were seven days apart. Her birthday was a week before. And it was his 71st birthday, and it was their first birthday not together since he was 18. Oh, 
Oh, and he, um, my brother and his wife took him to dinner. He, you know, the cake, the little dessert came. He made a wish, blew out his cake, and he dropped dead within an hour. Oh, my goodness. Of a heart attack. And no signs of that day. There was nothing, you know, to give us a clue that that was going to happen. But I am convinced his wish was to be with my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in a way, it was kind of a blessing that they were together and I didn't want him to grow old without her. So, um, you know, I felt like he's still her caregiver. Yeah. Well, and, and I, w- I would have yeah, inter- I, interpreted it the same way as well. Go yeah. ahead, Lori. And if I could say, um, I took care of my mom for three years. She had cancer and she passed away in my home. Um, she died at, she was only 69 when she passed away. Um my dad every year got her a special birthday present. We all mm-hmm. looked forward to see what the surprise was. Um, she passed away um, at 68 years old. He passed away eight years later. He died on her birthday. Mm. And to this day, I say, okay, Muzz, he gave you the best birthday present you ever could have. Yeah. He came to join you. Wow. Yeah. And I, believe, I, yeah. I think that, yeah, it's like, Okay, this is the best I can do. I'm coming to be with you. Mhm. Wow. Yeah, and I think I mean, as shocked as we were and just not prepared for it, in the end I think it was a blessing um that when it happened, how, you know, and that they were together. And to, like with the grant, you know, my dad got me into photography. So it all, and my mom was, you know, very supportive of what I do. I'm not a photographer for National Geographic. I work in the for the photo agency. Mm-hmm. So I'm around photos every day. I represent photographers and sell their work. But it's, um, I work on a um, photo festival. I've been very active in the photo community for a long time and supportive of photographers and trying to help them you know, tell their story and supporting them financially through buying their books and prints. And, and I always wanted to do something to, to help photographers get their work out there. And I just didn't know how to do that. And I didn't think I could do it till I retired and maybe hit the lottery, which is what I really wanted (laughs) and realized that I could start down and can do something, um, today and make it more personal than just supporting a project or a photographer. And um, like I said, a friend of mine, so one who thought of do it in your parents' name and have it focus on Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. And it just, the light went on and I just don't know how I didn't think of that myself. Wow. That it is interesting. Are you looking at doing a number of still shots of people with Alzheimer's? Are you looking at doing videos? What what is your concept? What's your idea? Yeah. So it will, the grant is to support visual storytelling, but it's going to be for still images and video only because many photographers are doing multimedia with a mix of still images and video. So um, although still imagery is my passion, I knew that I needed to be able to incorporate um, video as well. So it's not for, you know, I've had a few people contact me about other types of art, but right now it's just for still photography and video. And it's to finish, it's to support the project. So it's to help the 5,000 is to finish the project, 
help get it published, meaning in a book, or to exhibit it. So whether they need the $5,000 to help them do another trip to photograph the work, $5,000 to put towards the publishing of the book, or $5,000 towards an exhibit. So it's not to start the work. It has to be existing work already. Got it. And so we, the submissions are for two months. They started on August 15th through October 15th. And um, I have three judges and we will meet uh, just after the election in November and review. I'm expecting maybe 40 to 50 submissions and then we'll review the, those. They will. And you know, choose the project with, you know, they'll see the work because mm -hmm. we're asking for a sample of the photography or the video and a, um, a statement about the project. So we'll kind of, you know, decide between the actual work and what they want to do with that five, with the money mm -hmm. and what they want to do with their project mm -hmm. and where they hope it goes. Is there a time frame that they have to use the money within um, I mean, we would, I would like it to be within like nine months so I can use their work to promote it for the next year, but it's not really, you know, I'm not going to be real, um, set in stone on that because okay. things happen. Um, it, we, I do want that 5,000 to be used for that project though. There are grants or photo contests where they win money and they could do it as they please. And that is great. But for this, I want to be able to use it to advocate. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Well, I just, uh, I just um, send kudos out to you for doing this. I think this is a, a wonderful, wonderful mission. And um, hopefully you'll get lots of applications um, yeah. you know, for this. But they're coming in, and I'm trying. I actually haven't looked at them yet. I just make sure that they downloaded properly and everything's there, and I let them know. But I haven't looked at the work. Mm -hmm. I think I want to wait until we put it all together for the three judges. Sure. And let me just say who um, my judges are. So there are two of my board members, which is um, Sarah Lean, who is the director of photography for National Geographic magazine, Chip Somodavia, who is a senior um, photographer for Getty News. And um, our guest, we're going to do a guest judge each year, and this year is Marianne Golan, who's the director of photography for the Washington Post. Cool. Wow, those are those are some powerful eyeballs that are going to be yeah, reviewing this. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm lucky to um, be around some amazing talent in this um, in our community. So they will be the judges. I will I won't have a say in it, but I'll be there when they're judging and. Um, you know, I'm sure they'll choose something, you know, that's very worthy. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Do you, where do you see the fund, you know, like five years from now? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've been thinking about this because this, to be honest, this fund has moved a little more quickly than I had hoped or had thought, I should say, mm -hmm. not had hoped, but it just has received amazing support so far. And um, just, I was amazed at how many people know of this. So I want to take it slowly. My ideal situation is to work on this full time when I retire. So I've got some time and I just want to let it grow organically and slowly because I'm the one hand doing all this and I just want to make sure I'm doing it right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the first, so this year's 5,000. I hope next year to get it up a couple thousand more dollars. 
um, as I said, I'm going to put in 5000 each year. I'm not taking donations on the fund because I raise money for Alzheimer's, mm -hmm. and the donation link on the site goes directly to Team Diane to our Alzheimer's page. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to be doing a few, like, fundraisers. Like, I'm going to do a print sale where, you know, 20 or 25 well-known photographers are going to donate their, their print and then do a flash sale. So I'm going to raise money for that. And I'm looking at some organizations to match my 5000 mm -hmm. or more. Um, I've approached, you know, um, AARP which I think is a perfect fit to see if they'd be interested and um, hopefully some other organizations. So next year I'd like it to be maybe 7,000 to 10,000 for the, um, for the grant. And I'd like to see it get to about 15,000 mm -hmm. and then do a smaller grant for an emerging photographer to start the work. Okay. So like I said, the, the main grant now is to finish the project, but um the, what I'd like to do is have an emerging one to start work. Okay. Yeah, and then hopefully have other things that we can, you know, give to um, support some NGOs in third world countries who are doing work with Alzheimer's patients where they're not getting a lot of funding. Um, so I'm kind of, you know, thinking other ideas besides direct photography grants. Oh, that would be fantastic. Um, mm -hmm. And they would just gobble that up because yeah. the need is so huge. That's and my long, that's like my 10-year plan. Mm -hmm. um, who knows? By the way, it's going. I don't know if that'll be shorter or longer. <laughs> uh -huh. But the, yeah, that's that's my hope. Okay. But I want this to be, you know, to go the distance and continue giving each year. I mean, there it's surprisingly more work out there than I, I possibly could have imagined. Um, very interesting work. Um, and all different types from photojournalism to fine art. And um, I just, you know, want to support these photographers because it's, it's such a, a specific subject that I don't think that they're going to get a lot of support in other types of photography grants. Is your, is your focus on elderly people with Alzheimer's or dementia, or are you looking at a broad perspective of many people with dementia? It, oh, a broad perspective. Um, it's just, it's everything about dementia. So from the science to the caregiver, to the family member, to the people who are affected by it, to um, a home, I've seen some work. In fact, one work by a photographer who I think is submitting is he photographed um, objects of his father's after his father passed away who had Alzheimer's. So he did like still lives of very personal objects of his. So I don't oh, wow. even know if there will be a picture of his father in the project. Um, oh. So there are very different types of work out there. Um, it's, you'd be quite surprised um, the way people have, you know, decided to document this and, to show it through, um, you know, there's one photographer who photographed people in an, um, a home, a caregiver's home, but just standing at the door, then looking out the window, and it's just at the back of them of each patient standing there waiting for the door to open or for their loved one to show, and uh -huh. you never see their faces. Oh, neat. One of the things... Uh... Uh -huh. 
a photographer friend and I had talked about um, a while back, and we just haven't gotten to it, um, was to do cards um, that would have a picture of somebody, and then we'd, it, we would make it into a tool that in mm-hmm. this situation you do this. Um, but I don't know if it would be artsy enough for, for you know, basically your competition for the grant. Um, but we just felt that there's a, a big need for that. As it doesn't well. have to be artsy. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, photojournalism is, not, is, you know, one way of shooting. And then there's fine art and mm-hmm. still lifes and just portraits. And we're putting no parameters on it. It's, okay. you know, it, I'll be very curious. And, and multimedia. Mm-hmm. So um, it will be very interesting to see the different ways. Um, on my website, which is org, is my inspiration page. And that has some, about three projects that had inspired me um, in the last five years or so, and there are three um, photographers who have done work on this, and one is Phil Toledano, who photographed his father who had dementia and did a lovely um, book on him in a multimedia piece, and it's called Days with My Father, and then um, a National Geographic photographer, Maggie Steeper, did a story for National Geographic on memory and on her mother, Madge, who had dementia. And then lastly is the piece that um, husband and wife, um, Julie Winokur and Ed Cashy, who did a, a multimedia piece on her, Julie's father, but it's called The Sandwich Generation, where you're raising your children and taking care of your parents. And it's just a beautiful project. Um, so there's definitely different types of stories that have inspired me to, to do this grant. Oh, very neat. Very neat. And uh, you can tell how uneducated I am in terms of photography. I just enjoy it. <laughs> but oh, I don't yeah, necessarily no, okay. know all the categories and yeah, things. So, yeah, no, that's definitely okay. Well, this is very exciting. And, um, again, this is called the, the Bob and Diane Fund. And um, I just I really look forward to seeing um, who you pick and you know what happens with us. So please keep us posted and thank you. I will. And maybe um, we can have you and the grant winner, you know, on the show when the project is finished or something. To and, that would be great. We I would love that. And yeah, just to encourage people to check out the website. It's bobanddianefund.org. And I'm we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the same handle, Bob and Diane Fund. And trying to put, you know, as much information out there and sharing and um, just, you know, trying to bring awareness. And like you said, removing the isolation and having this community to share and support each other. Yeah, it's a it's a wonderful, wonderful way to go. And I think, uh, you know, the multimedia, it's just a nice way to be able to reach people. You know, it's mm-hmm. not just a lecture, you know, or something to study. Um, and everybody learns different and takes things away. And, and pictures tell such a story. They, Yeah, photos and video can, is a very powerful tool that can, you know, inform and shape and educate and, you know, in so many ways. It's on the news every day. It's in the newspapers and magazines. And photography is a way to really explain and help people understand a story or situation, and in this case, this disease. 
Well, wonderful. Well, again, I, I thank you so much for taking the time um, to share your, your story. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll help you raise a little awareness. So when is the closing date again for the fund? The, it, the deadline is October 15th. Okay. So we're about a month away then. Yes, so. we are. Okay. I'm sure they're going to be flooding in the last 24 hours too, as most um, <laughs> photographers do for grants. <laughs> so I'll be prepared for that. Well, wonderful. Well, again, <laughs> please please keep us posted. Any last questions you, you have, Lori? No, I think it's wonderful, and, and I really admire what you're doing. Sorry for your your loss and so glad that you've taken that experience and turned it into something that will help others. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, um, yeah, I, I will continue um, hopefully making them proud and hopefully find a cure to this. I have no doubt about that at all. Well, again, thank you so much. And for our listeners, um, again, I, I want to thank each and every one of you. And if you wouldn't mind liking and just sharing this show. We want to raise as much awareness for the Bob and Diane Fund and um, help them get as many people in the loop uh, for this potential grant. That would be absolutely wonderful. If you haven't listened to our latest shows, uh, you are going to want to check out our conversation with uh, Deborah Schaus and uh, and her partner, Ron, we talked about their book, uh, which just came out, Connecting in the Land of Dementia, its creative activities to explore. And Deborah interviewed uh, just a ton of uh, people in the industry, and there's just great knowledge and stories in this book um, that you'll be able to pick and choose from and, and you know, uh, try out, um, you know, different approaches and techniques uh, we also had uh, Good Samaritan on talking about their life coaching for Minnesota caregivers, which is free through the end of the year. So make sure you tap into that if you're in Minnesota. That is, uh, and it can go either way, either the caregiver or the person with dementia have to be in Minnesota. We also had uh, Harry Urban on from Pennsylvania talking about dementia being complicated by abuse, which was a really interesting conversation. This morning on our Dementia Chats webinar, we talked about the pros and cons of the Alzheimer's walk as seen by people with dementia, and they had some great insights, and I will get that edited and posted by the end of the week. Our one prior uh, to that, um, our panelist of experts living with dementia talked about technology and apps. Do they help or hinder those living with dementia? And our next scheduled Dementia Chats will be November 27th, and those are, of course, all free. And if you can't make it, you know, in our uh, time frame, they are all recorded and posted uh, for you to listen to later. Uh, I want to, again, mention September is World Alzheimer's Month. So spread the word. And, um, and then on the 21st, it'll be also, uh, World Alzheimer's Day. Um, so you can take a kind of special significance there. Again, thank you all so much. Um, in order to get a hold of Lori Shear, our co-host today, Living with Dementia, you can uh, go to DementiaDays.com. That's DementiaDays.com. Or you can reach out to her on uh, her Facebook page as well. And then for Gina Martin, um, again, check out the website, BobAndDianeFund.org. That's Bob and Diane. Fund.org. 
or email Bob and Diane Fund at gmail.com. You can also find them on social media for Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Bob and Diane Fund. And uh, make your application for that grant. I can't wait to see who wins. Thanks so much for being with us. Talk to you soon. Hey, everybody, Jared Sebesti, your host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurpose on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.